When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay Murray, Ali Moreno and Chaka Hislop here in the studio. Looking back on a big day for Real Madrid and Atleti. Meeting in the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey. Well, it went to extra time. We should have known that because any time these two sides face in a knockout game like this, it usually does go to extra time. Atleti had started well with a goal from Morata, but then a gorgeous goal from Rodrigo turned things around in extra time. Karim Benzema and Vinny Jr. both got on the score sheet. Stefan Savic saw red as well. After the game, Martin Einstein caught up with Carlo Ancelotti. Your, your feelings towards this uh, important win tonight? Happy because it was a difficult game. I think Atletico played better the first half. We played better the second half and then uh, had uh, a lot of effort to equalise the game. But when we equalised, of course, we had an uh, advantage and uh, we used this advantage in the, in the extra time. We've seen this story before in other games that Real Madrid grows until the, the last moments of the game and, and then they, they are able to, to score. This gives you uh, an extra confidence that this will happen somehow or, or it makes you nervous? No, I think it's, for me it's difficult to understand how we are so bad. We were so bad in the first half, we're so good in the second half. It's difficult to say. It's, it's true that we arrange something, but this above all is not only the strategy of the game, it's also the mental aspect and that uh, mentally this team this, is really strong. Do you think it might be overconfident, the team, that, that uh, in, a, in, a, in a situation that is uh, very close to the limit, you can react? Yeah, I think we would like to act, not to react, because not always uh, react uh, is a good sign. We want to act. It's true that the last two or three games against Villarreal, the all in this competition, against Villarreal, again um, against uh, Atletico, we were down and we reacted so well, but so we have to be focused to act well at the beginning. Carlo, I would like to, to stop for a minute in Rodrigo's goal, because it was something really special. And I asked Rodrigo, can you recall, can you remember what happened in the, in the, in the game? A, it was so fast. He's a, he's a player that uses a lot of in instinct when he plays, right? Yeah, he, has this, he has this kind of, of, of ability to keep fantastic coordination also in, in, the spe in the small spaces and um, he scored a fantastic goal as he used to do in this kind of situation. Let's talk a little bit about that overconfidence remark there mm. from, from Martin Einstein. Do you think that is what it comes to with Real Madrid or do you think it happens to them so many times they think, OK, we're always going to be OK? Well, there's a sense of self-belief and, and confidence that regardless of what the situation is in the game, you always have a chance to come back. But I don't think you want to be in this position all the time. So it depends on how you look at it. You can look at it from the perspective of what character does this team have that always, when they're down, they're able to find it within themselves to come back and win this sort of matches. The other way to look at it is, hey guys, we don't need to be in this position. We don't need to be trailing. We don't need to find extra level of stress in order for us to be fully engaged in the match. And yet, it is a story of the personality of this group. Noticeably, slow starters. Then they find their way into the game, and all they need is one moment for everything to spark. And today was Rodrigo's moment that allowed then Real Madrid to become different in the match. But while I say that, I'll also say that Atletico Madrid allowed them, allowed them to use the spark and then grow into the match. 
It's not only an Atletico Madrid story here, it's a Real Madrid story and how both teams changed their approach in the game after the Rodrigo goal. What a great goal it was, Shaka. It, it certainly was, and you felt if Real Madrid were to get themselves back in it, it would take something special from somebody doing exactly as Rodrigo did. Real Madrid had their chances. Um, there was that exchange between Benzema and Vinicius Jr. That ball got away from Vinicius Jr. Benzema then brought the best out of out of all black and it fell to Vinicius Jr. again and, and it came off his knee. And then things just started to dry up for Real Madrid. And, and, and in fairness, I think Atleti played their part in that, in how they took the game to Real. They took the game over. And you just weren't quite sure where that response was going to come from for, for Atletico Madrid, uh, for, for Real Madrid, excuse me. And then Rodrigo just stepped up and, and did as, as, as he did. And it's great to hear Carlo Ancelotti speaking about Rodrigo, about his, his natural instincts, when a week ago he was being asked very different questions about, about Rodrigo. And, and it speaks to, I said then, that just when I thought I couldn't love Carlo Ancelotti more, I... I absolutely adored how he handled that situation and it shows again how good a manager he is how good a man manager he is because right on on the heels of that Rodrigo produces this yeah quite obviously Rodrigo had been taken off and he'd not saluted Carlo mm -hmm. Ancelotti Carlo Ancelotti called him out there and then Rodrigo soon apologized right afterwards but this is a perfect response from the player surely and a perfect response from the manager and that look we've had our moment Right? You were pitching a fit. I didn't like it. I told you about it. And now it's over. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to trust you again in a moment in which we need an impact, a game-changing play. I'm going to put you out there to provide that for this team. And Rodrigo did that today, as he has now seemingly for the better part of a whole year. When you think about the run of Champions League by Real Madrid, how many important goals is Rodrigo scoring in that run? So you know he has that in his game, and that's why you put him out there. And once he got beyond Axel Witzel, and he was able then to pick his head up and understand what the movement was in front of him, you can see that things are slowing down for him, that the picture is slowing down for him, and he knows this guy is committing this way, I'm taking it to the left-hand side. He's now tucking inside, but he's late, so I can take him to the outside as well. This last defender over here is brought into the play because of the run from Vinny Jr. I can take him to the outside because his momentum is taking over this way. And now, and this is a key moment, and now... I can finish. But how can I finish? Do I let it go all the way across to my left foot? No. It's a quick finish with the outside of the right foot so that then Oblak cannot work his way across. From every angle, however you look at it, this was perfection from Rodrigo. Yeah, and it completely turned the game around. Sid Lowe's pitch side. He did tell us to expect extra time. Sid mm. jinxed it, although history yeah. had warned us as well. That but was good. <laughs> what a great goal it was, Sid, to turn things around. Uh, just brilliant. And, and, and as Ali was saying, you know, this is the guy that, that made that decisive impact against Manchester City last year in the Champions League. It's, he's a player who's, who's intuitive on the pitch. It comes out of him naturally. He's got a smoothness to his game, obviously an enormous amount of quality as well. Just a, a completely brilliant goal. And I, I, I don't know about how it felt at home watching it on television, but, but certainly here it felt like that momentum, the inevitability of the Real Madrid comeback, was maybe starting to slip away ever so slightly. So you'd had the, the, the kind of the second half reaction, you'd had the two or three chances, the one that goes through Benzema's legs, the one that flashes across the face of goal, and you start to think, well, maybe it's not quite coming. And then he scores that goal out of out of almost nothing. It's it, just a, a completely brilliant goal. And, and, and in the end, yeah, it was the, the kind of the inevitable conclusion to it, wasn't it? Sid, you've lived in Madrid a long time now and it doesn't really matter, it seems, the manager sometimes. Real Madrid, when it comes to comebacks, he was just asked there by our colleague Martin Einstein if it's overconfidence. And I put it to the panel, if it's just something that seems to be instilled in any player that comes to Real Madrid that they know, a comeback will always be on the cards. Yeah, and, and of course, part of it is about the way that we create, if you like, the storyline around it. So that there's this, because we talk about it, because it happens, it makes it happening again more likely. I'll, I'll tell you a line that, that I was told once by Mitchell, who was a member of that Quinta del Buitre team. And this is the team that kind of really started the idea of the comebacks in European football. There was a whole load of them in the UEFA Cup. And, and he, he, I remember him going for it and saying, listen, it's perfectly plausible 
that we look at the statistics and actually we don't come back any more than any other team. It's perfectly plausible that maybe we go through it and there's been times when we've lost in the last minute too. And by the way, they have. And, and of course, his team was beaten twice on the final day of the season against Tenerife. He said, but there's something about playing for Real Madrid, putting on that shirt that turns you into kind of a mini Incredible Hulk. And all of you somehow feel like somewhere along the line, there's something inside you that means you can kind of emerge and suddenly kind of burst out, if you like, as, as this kind of unstoppable beast. And, and I think there's, there's something in that. I mean, look, last year, even by Real Madrid's standards, was absolutely ridiculous. The way they won the Champions League was just extraordinary. But one of the things that I think made it possible was the fact that somewhere along the line, everyone kind of believed it was possible. And, and personally, I think, and I'd love to know what the, what the guys in the studio think of this from a, from a professional player's point of view, that that belief works both ways. It's not just about Real Madrid believing it's possible. It's about the other team starting to get that sinking feeling, that sense of, of fatalism or inevitability as Real Madrid start to come back at them. And that, in turn, probably makes it more, more likely as well. But that psychological impact, can that happen when you're the absolutely. opposing team? Mm. Uh, absolutely. Uh, as, as a player, sometimes you're worn down late on and you feel defeated. You feel we were not really creating the, the chances that, that we, we should or we need to to get ourselves back in this game, and you feel defeated. Uh, to, 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 to Sid's point, and sometimes, sometimes you do get that goal, but even when you're on the field uh, and you do get that goal, it, it, it just kind of happened. You know, it, 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 it happened. There's also when late on in games when you are down, where there's a, there's a sense of desperation to your play. And, but with Real Madrid, and when you truly believe that you're never out of games, that the comeback is always on, there's never that sense of desperation. You, you, you know the goal is, is going to come. And so just from psychologically, I think there's a difference in how you see it as a player, but then how the game takes shape as well, because you're not just kicking it long and you're not just putting the tall guy in the box and crossing it and hoping for, 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 for knockdowns. Yeah. I tell you what can change the, the whole picture and the tendencies is coaching decisions, right? And if you are, in this case, Diego Simeone, who I was begging, begging at the beginning of the game, hey, go and attack Real Madrid, and they did. Thank you, Diego, right? At halftime, I said, please, Diego, don't get defensive on me. For the first 15 minutes, they did not. Thank you, Diego. Now we get to the 65th minute, and he decides when, when they have withstood that, that initial push that Sid was mentioning from Real Madrid, and it seemed like the game was under control, he said, you know what, what we're going to do? We're going to get defensive, right? We're going to take Morata out. This is, we're talking about the 65th minute. And now we're going to put Axel Witzel in. So you no longer have an outlet. You no longer have a player that can stretch the back line. You also then decided, I'm going to take Angel Correa out. And so you no longer have a threat down the right, a threat down the right that was important because that was occupying whoever was playing the left-back position for Real Madrid, in this case, Camavinga after the Mendy injury, which then allowed, freed up Nahuel Molina to then overlap down the right-hand side and be a threat in the attack. So you yourself... Because of your own decisions, you've taken options to go on the attack. And in doing so, you force yourself to then get more defensive, get deeper and deeper. It allows Real Madrid to now start completing passes in the attack and have Dani Ceballos gets involved, and then Rodrigo gets involved in between spaces. And that's where the goal comes from. Now, is it a moment of genius? Of course it's a moment of genius for Rodrigo. Is it it's an outstanding goal? Yes, did it take an outstanding goal? But it's an opportunity that you gave, that you presented just by coaching decisions which when we talk about the mentality and the feelings for a player if you're being told start sitting deeper and deeper you start renouncing the attack and you start expecting Real Madrid to come this way so in terms of feelings Atletico Madrid once Rodrigo scored the goal what do you think their feelings were it's like oh well here we go again we have seen this before and that was exactly the feeling that they had going into extra time because again in coaching decisions Simeone decides we're just going to see this through to penalties I don't understand it. I don't get it. I am watching the game and I'm seeing continue to attack Real Madrid because they're vulnerable. Even more so when you want a man down and actually you look more dangerous than Real Madrid did in the, in the second half of extra time. So it took you going down to then going and trying to attack again. 
That is coaching decisions. That is a mentality that this team, they have to be able to free themselves up because otherwise we're going to continue to say, see the same picture over and over again. And I don't know why, if you've seen it as many times as you have, why you don't, sick, you don't get sick of it and try to change it, do something different. On the morning of the game, La Liga, Real Madrid and Atleti had to condemn an incident that had occurred where on a bridge close by to Real Madrid's training ground, a doll wearing a Vinicius Junior shirt had been hung with a big sign saying Madrid hates Real, which is linked to a small group of Atleti fans. And so obviously people knew it, who it had come from. Atleti Madrid's statement on this was such actor, absolutely repugnant and unacceptable and a shame society. Our condemnation of any act that attacks the dignity of people or institutions is absolute without exception. La Liga's statement on the racism towards Vinnie Jr. We vigorously condemn the acts of hate against Vinnie Jr. Intolerance and violence have no place in football. As on previous occasions, La Liga will investigate these events in an attempt to find those responsible seeking the most severe criminal penalties. Javier Tebas tweeted a message to those who take refuge at night to commit hate crimes. We will locate you. We will get convictions so that you end up in jail, which is where you should be enough now. And then during the game, some information came out that Spain's Anti-Violence Commission will chair a meeting this coming Monday to discuss this morning's events with that incident concerning the Vinnie Jr. doll. This time, something has to be done suggestions here from the words is that it is going to be done but obviously Shaka as always actions speak a whole lot louder uh, and, and that's the thing we've been waiting for actions from Spanish football around these incidents for quite some time I, I applaud the, the rhetoric I welcome it it's needed but you have to follow that rhetoric with meaningful action and to the statement from La Liga it's not just about criminal prosecutions I think football has a role to play you can't always rely on proving someone's guilt, on knowing exactly who is responsible for it. As a game, you have to announce what is acceptable and what isn't. Maybe it might not be prosecutable in the criminal courts, but it might be enough to close a stand. It might be enough to send a warning to fans of all clubs. Not, this is not just about Atletico Madrid but everywhere in Spanish football that we are not standing for this. Even if you aren't found guilty in a criminal court, you will be found guilty in a court around or in, in what the game deems appropriate, what the game deems acceptable. That's where the game has to start. If criminal prosecutions come alongside that or as a result of, absolutely we welcome that. But you can't, the game cannot simply wash its hands of these incidents if the courts continue to take as little or as hollow action as they have in the past. Sid, Vinnie Jr. has criticised La Liga before and incidents like this have happened before to the player. He's hoping, and many are, that La Liga can take things into their own hands when it comes to punishment. Yeah, essentially the, the, the position that he would take up is, is what Shaka is, is explaining now, that there is, of course, there are limitations to what can be done at legal level and, of course, there are limitations even to, to what the league itself can do. But the league, the league which has always um, been keen to point out that they gather, gather evidence at every game, that they pass that on, that that's given to the, the equivalent of state attorneys for, for, for action to be taken. And, and that the idea that they have is that we pass it on and that's the point at which it goes into, if you like, a, a higher sphere. But as Shaq rightly points out, and I think this is, this is Vinicius's position on this as well, there are things that football can do outside of the legal structures. You know, football has power within its own organisation to take action. No, not legal action because they don't have that power. But yes, they can take other action. Yes, they can hand down punishments. Yes, there are things that, that, that can be done. And, and that, of course, I think is what Vinicius is pushing for. And it's very interesting to see Vinicius really take this on as well. Uh, and and I, think it, I think it's very, very interesting to see. And I, I think it's, it's quite heartening in a way in, in the sense that the hope that this takes us somewhere, the hope that this changes things, that this isn't Vinicius saying, it has happened to me and I'm upset about it. It's Vinicius pushing. 
and trying to force this through and trying to make sure that he stands up and says anything, that he doesn't just kind of take the advice of something which I've always thought is, is, is really limited and, and pointless advice, really, which is just to kind of just get on with it. Vinicius doesn't want to. He wants to fight this. And I think he's aware of the, the importance of that. Now, today, of course, we've heard, um, we've heard indirectly um, that his camp has said that they would respond to this tomorrow because he had tonight's game to, to focus on. Of course, the game has ended with him scoring in the final minute. And, and, and that had, a, I think, the celebration of that had a kind of a vindicative feel to it, didn't it? A, a sense of, of, of self-vindication and a sense of making a... a a statement and then obviously we'll see what what actually is said tomorrow and where this moves on to and and of course the optimist in us hopes that this does lead to to some sort of shift um the pessimist in us thinks that we've seen some of this before well i hope it is the optimist in us that is confirmed right on this occasion sid Lowe, thank you so much for being with us we'll hear from you again very soon Make sure to stay up to date with all the latest talk in football by checking out our ESPN FC page on YouTube. Click subscribe while you're there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just taking a look at the odds for Manchester City against Arsenal. Finally, we're going to see these two sides face off. It's coming tomorrow in the FA Cup fourth round. Man City favourites coming into this one. In fact, they've won all five Premier League meetings between the two sides, scoring 12 goals in those games. But this season, it is Arsenal who are on top right now, as you can see when it comes to the position. Five points ahead of Manchester City. Goals in Manchester City's favour. A big part of that is Erling Haaland right now. Goals against Arsenal. A little bit tighter at the back in this aspect. We're going to welcome in Don Hutchison to talk more about this one. What a huge game it is, Don. The wait is over to see these two sides against one another. I can't wait. Can't wait, Kay. And I'm of the persuasion where normally in an FA Cup game or Cup ties... I don't think it has any bearing whatsoever what's going to happen in the league campaign pushing for the title. This game, I actually think it does. I think it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a chance for Guardiola to go very strong. Not sure what his team lineup's going to be, but he knows he's playing against Arteta, who will go strong, I would imagine. And I think this is a psychological game because if, if Arsenal win it, they'll prove to everyone, because we'll all have eyes back on the Premier League as soon as the game's finished. Then we'll say, ah... They've passed another test, even though it was a cup competition. If City, say, win 2 or 3-0 and make it easy and comfortable, then we'll all say, ooh, I wonder if Arsenal might get twitchy in the remaining games in the Premier League, where they've got to play each other twice. So I just think this game has so much riding on it, psychologically, what the managers do, the players that are playing against each other. It, it's an amazing game to look forward to. Do you know, it's interesting that Don said that because it's something that came up yesterday, whether a cup game would have any bearing on the title race. Don thinks it would. Do you? I do. Mm -hmm. I, I think what's, what's different this time around, and, and I'm a Don, normally these cup games, 
don't really have that much of a bearing. I think what's different this time around is that neither the, this is the first meeting between these two this season. Um, ordinarily, by, by now, mid-end mid mid of January, they, they would have played each other at least once and just once more to come. So that, I, I think, is, is telling. And then also, I think both these teams, certainly Arsenal, are, are playing the best football I've seen from them for quite some time. City, maybe not as, as flowing as they have been, but we all know exactly how good this City team can be. So with everything at stake, I think this, this game, more so than in, 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 in any season gone by, has provides a psychological edge to whoever wins, or at the very least, to these to two coaches who know each other well, to sit down and review, especially if both teams, if both managers name strong teams, to sit down and see how they maybe can get the better of the other in those in those telling league games. Well, it's uh, if indeed it has an impact, it'll be a subjective one. This has nothing to do with objectivity because, objectively speaking. Arsenal has the potential of being a point ahead of Manchester City. And that won't change whatever happens in tomorrow's game. So this comes down to feelings. You know how I am about feelings, Shaq. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm a little worried about you yeah. feelings. Feelings, right? And how the players feeling. The only way that I think this has an impact on Arsenal, a negative impact on Arsenal, is that if they get destroyed by Manchester City and that puts a doubt that hasn't been there. If they lose to Manchester City, it can happen. But if they get destroyed, it's a different story. I see an Arsenal team right now that couldn't care less about hurdles and passing tests. I see a team that is confident, that shows up to training, excited to be there, and knowing full well that if they play up to their standard, up to their abilities, they can beat anybody in the Premier League, regardless of whether this is an FA Cup, Premier League, whatever the competition may be. I don't think they're feelings are going to be heard if the game is competitive. And you and your feelings. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm what's a, your I'm a feeling? <laughs> are these two sides going to play full-strength teams? So they're both managers going to so. do that? I think so. I think they have to, Kay, because of what the lads are saying, because it's, it, it's, it's got so much emotion on it. It, it can change. It can, it can change everyone's feelings in terms of what the written press are going to say if Man City destroy them. And vice versa, by the way. If Arsenal turn up and, and wallop Man City, then everyone will go, oh, wow, Arsenal are the real deal, which they are. But it depends on the score line. So I've, I've got them, I've got both managers being strong. I see Mares up against Zinchenko could be a great battle. I see Thomas Partey up against Rodri in the middle of the park. Great battle. I think Erlen Haaland would start as well. It depends on how Guardiola sees it. I was watching his press conference tonight, Kay, and he was unbelievably relaxed. He was really relaxed. He was really complimentary towards uh, Mikel Arteta. He was saying when he was his number two, he was saying um, he was always cheering the goals on when Guardiola turned round. He said Arteta was always fist pumping him and high five, high fiving him. And he said he turned around one day when Man City banged in a couple of goals and he turned around to celebrate with Arteta and Arteta done nothing. And Guardiola went, ah, it's Arsenal. And he said, this guy loves Arsenal. So he, he was really complimentary. Pep was really relaxed. Um, and I, ju I just think they have to go strong. I think if one manager doesn't go strong and they lose the game, it's one of them where you go, man, you've just lost a little edge. Even in the title race, you might have lost an edge because everyone will be talking about whoever loses this game. Not so much the winners, it's whoever loses it. Where's the battle going to be won then, Don? Oh, you can pick anywhere, Kay. You, you can pick anywhere. Normally, as a central midfield player, I would be looking at Thomas Partey, who, who's having a season of his life, in my opinion, up against Rodri, who makes the game at times look very easy. Uh, the four-man, I think, is Riyad Mahrez, who mentioned Ellen Haaland, of course, so whether they can keep him quiet. But Mahrez up against Zinchenko, that should be amazing. But you can literally, you can literally, wherever your eyes are drawn in this type of game, it's one of these games, if you're commentating on these games, they're easy. You've just got all your notes in front of you, you throw them away, and you watch the game unfold right in front of your eyes because there's going to be so many superstars on show. How do you expect the game to actually play out, Shaka, given what we've seen, especially from Arsenal in these recent wins? Um, I, I, I think you... I think Guardiola goes, goes, goes full strength, he normally does, um, and I'll be surprised if Arteta doesn't match him. I'm, I'm with Don on that. I think both managers go, go very strong. 
I think you see Arsenal start very high tempo, as they always have, um, and, and put City under pressure like nobody has done for, for quite some time. Um, I, I just feel that, that Arsenal, the pace they have in midfield, the way they play the game, how they press, uh, is going to give City a test that, that they don't, they, they haven't faced for, for, for quite some time. Is there any chance, though, that Mikel Arteta second guesses himself and goes a little bit more defensive against this Man City? No! OK, you want to talk about feelings again? <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, then let me tell you, it's a reason to be concerned. You don't change who you are at this point. You are leading the Premier League, right? Yes. And you have been outstanding and you've been confident. And this team feels like they can beat anybody. But then you go into that locker room and you say, hey, guys, you know, I have a master plan here. We're going to be defensive. We're going to be passive. We're going to be conservative. Uh-uh. No, you don't change it now. You dance with Manchester City. You go into Manchester City and you take the game to them. It may work out, it may not, but you, not, you do not become conservative because that says a lot about what the mindset is, not so much of the players, but of the manager, that he fears this team so much that he's going to sit back. I don't think that's happening. I think that's the absolute worst thing that Arteta can yeah. play, play defensive. I, you, Arteta just says to, to Arsenal, go out, Play your game. You're the best team in the league. Go out there, show it. Even if you lose, you stick with that message because nobody thinks, Sydney, I, I don't think Arsenal are going to go the rest of the season winning every single game between, between now and, 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 and May. But what you have to do is prepare this team for when they do stumble, when they do lose, that they, the one thing that isn't dented is that self-belief. So go out and play. You're the best team. Even if you lose, you come back and say, well... We're still the best team in the league. We just had enough day today. But you don't ask them to, to change their spots. You, you are having, in, in these young players that are playing with such high level of confidence, it's almost as if you're reining them back. It's almost as if you're limiting them if you're asking them to defend deep. No, these this guys want to get out and play. They want to go out and challenge players in, in the attacking half. They don't want to sit back. They have a different personality. And I think the personality of this team right now is we can play against whoever in the world. We don't care. We're going to show up and we're going to play. And more than likely, if we play well, we're going to win. Meanwhile, Pep Guardiola, Don, has been pretty critical of late with his players, saying that they've dropped their standards recently. Have you seen that mm. from City? I think so. In, in a season that's like no other K with a Winter World Cup, it's hard to gauge. Um, when, you, when, you, when you're thinking about the players that are playing in the World Cup before the competition started, you think, oh, well, I wonder how the players are going to come back. Uh, you know, compared to the players that have been behind rested. Well, Guardiola said after the World Cup, he said, actually, the players that were playing in the World Cup had more rhythm than the players that were rested. Erlen Haaland was rested for, for a month and he looked a little bit off it. Um, I, I seen a game and I commentated on the game last week where when Guardiola left a little bit, I think, psychologically on Arsenal by saying they haven't won the league in 20 years, there was a subtle little dig. But I worked on this game. And I've got to say, the reaction from not only the players, but the fans inside the stadium, this is what Guardiola wants. He wants atmosphere. He wants colour. He wants noise. He wants, he wants, as Ali said, it's the feelings. Guardiola wants to feel the game. He wants to feel the passion. He wants to see it. And the fans from minute one in this game were very, very good. And in the end, it made light work of Wolves because the players responded to that. I think in this game, you're going to see an unbelievable atmosphere at the Etihad. And those might be key. You know, the fans might be key. If there's banners, if there's colour, there's chanting, there's noise, that'll put Arsenal on the back foot. But as the lad said, the worst thing Arteta could do is try and be defensive and ask Martinelli to be defensive and Saka to be defensive because the young players in the dressing room would see a chink in, I think, Arteta's armoury if he turned around and went, oh, we're a little bit fearfully these today. Let's go a little bit defensive. And that didn't work. Everyone would be talking about the style that he employed. So he can't do it. He's got to go for it. Potentially, it could be big game for Erling Haaland. Um, what, what game isn't for Erling Haaland? <laughs> the, way, the way he scores goals and, and, and breaks records. It, it's, it's incredible to sit, sit back and, and witness um, this man at work and how he continues to, to rack up numbers in, in a way that no, nobody in the game has, has done before. Do you think Manchester City have a point to prove at all this season against this Arsenal side, Ali? I think that they just need to win the game. 
and they need to play well and they need to play up to their abilities, which we haven't seen enough of regarding Manchester City. Uh, too many times we have seen a Manchester City team that passes the ball, passes the ball, passes the ball, passes the ball, but there is nothing really threatening in the attack with as much talent as they have available, including Erling Haaland. I don't want to see Erling Haaland coming short for the ball. I don't want him receiving the ball from center back. Stay over there between the, their two center backs and challenge them physically. Challenge them inside the 18-yard box. I want verticality from Manchester City for them to be able to find Erling Haaland with balls in behind because this game will get stretched. So test that Arsenal can actually defend a guy like Erling Haaland over space. Do those things and you will win this game. If you don't, if you slow down the pace, if you slow down your possession and Erling Haaland is coming deep, then this is going to be a long afternoon. I think what Pep Guardiola wants to see is the best version of Manchester City. And however that works out in the game in terms of result, so be it. But let us be our best. And if we are our best, I think we're better than those guys. But to that point, I don't think City has anything to prove against Arsenal. I don't think City almost has, has a lot to prove domestically. City has a lot to prove in the Champions League. Mm. And I, I continue to believe that that's a holy grail, regardless of how Pep Guardiola tries to, tries to dress that up. The issue that Guardiola is recognizing is you aren't going to be at your best. You aren't going to prove anything in the Champions League if you don't maintain that same level of cutting edge in the league. And that's the difficulty of getting the fans, getting the players to be at their best in every single respect, um, in proving something week in, week out, domestically, whether it's, whether it's in the league or, or, or the FA Cup, in an effort to maintain that same sharp edge for the Champions League. What's your prediction for this game, Don? Do you know what? As the lads were talking about proving things, I think Man City need to prove it to themselves. And I, and I think they'll win. I think they'll respond. I think they'll beat them. I think I could see a 3-1 Man City. Ali? I'll go 2-1 Manchester City. Late goal, Erling Haaland. Um, comfortable on defence. I'm going to go 1-1. That's no, it. But that's all ridiculous. I got. I can't pick a winner between these two. That's what you're bringing? That's all I've got on this fence of mine. Uh, you're hurting my feelings. Uh, well, you and your feelings. All right, who's going to go through? Huh? Huh? Well, You've got to make a decision at some point, whether it's this week or next week or the week after that. I'll tell you next week. Oh, oh God. Goodness. Oh, my days. Pain coming up on ESPN+. Plus. That's Kidding one thing me. we are absolutely sure of, even if Shaka isn't even sure <laughs> of what's going <laughs> on right now. Manchester <laughs> City <laughs> against Arsenal <laughs> in the FA Cup. That massive game Go coming up friends. tomorrow. Berlin derby. Girona against Barcelona. Another derby. That one in La Liga. Bayern against Frankfurt. Full coverage. With that game, myself and Shaka will be on it on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, Wrexham against Shaka. Sheffield You're going to pick a winner then? Day. <laughs> At Real Madrid against Real Sociedad as well. At second against third in La Liga. What a massive weekend of football we have for you. Now, Don will be back for the latest edition of Extra Time. And you can always keep up to date with Extra Time by checking it out on YouTube. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, in the first match since the World Cup ended, the U.S. men's national team lost to Serbia in an international uh -oh. friendly on Wednesday night in Los Angeles. Interim coach Anthony Hudson gave eight players their senior team debut, seven as starters. Uh, U.S. in this game, 
not their best, let's say. 2-1, it finished to Serbia. Football Americas were live last night. They broke it all down, so you can check that out. Sebastian Salazar and Hercules Gomez always on this show, twice a week usually on ESPN+. And we do have Sebastian Salazar with us. Oh, here we go. Now it's always a show. Always great to have Now it's a party. Hello, Sebi. All right, Let, let's do a quick breakdown then for those who haven't seen Football Americas of what went down last night. It wasn't a great performance, uh, and it was a terrible result. We got to put into context. Serbia hardly brought a squad. They brought 17 guys, 14 playing in the domestic league, three in MLS. So a far cry from the Serbian team that we saw at the World Cup. The asterisk here is that it is January camp. And as you mentioned, there was a lot of guys making their debuts. So you're not really worried about the collective so much. It's a little bit disappointing that Serbia were very deserving winners in this game. The U.S., I think, were the right loser. They, they were not the better team. Uh, that said, there were some uplifting individual performances, which is really what January camp is all about. Guys, you haven't really seen at this level performing there before. Brandon Vasquez got a goal. We know the number nine position is a, a huge position of need for the United States. Really good finish off a cross from Julian Gressel. I thought Cade Cowell was really good coming in there off the left wing. That's a, that's a very deep position for the U.S., but still, he's a very interesting player. And Gaga Sonina, the young goalie that just made the move to Chelsea, not really at fault on either of the two goals, and I thought did pretty well when he was tested. Alejandro Zendejas was the name that a lot of people were looking at, the Mexican-American. There's been kind of a tug of war between Mexico and the U.S. for his services. Right now, it looks like the U.S. is going to land him. He started. He's in mid-season form. He got the full 90. Wasn't as dominant as I thought he would be, but there is a lot of excitement about Alejandro Zendejas and what he could bring, Kay, to the U.S. in the future should he officially commit to the U.S. men's national team. More big news from the U.S. Soccer Federation, Sebi, and the fact that sporting director Ernie Stewart is the latest to depart. Is it just in disarray here right now? Yeah. It feels like a lot of overhaul for a team that supposedly reached all their goals, right? Qualified for the World Cup, got out of the group phase. I, I think we have to look at the context. This happens a few days after we find out that, that Brian McBride is not going to be coming back as the general manager. McBride, in a statement that he released today, says he's been thinking about another challenge as far back as last October. So that decision seems kind of independent. This one seems like it's motivated by other factors as well, specifically other opportunities. Ernie Stewart now going to go back to Europe. He's going to go back to PSV. Will he be the technical director? A very good job there at a very important club in the Eredivisie in Europe. So it's a great opportunity for Ernie Stewart. And I think really what this leaves is a clean slate and a lot of responsibility, Kay, for the president right now, Cindy Parlo-Cohen. Of course, Greg Berhalter still out of contract. She says that he is still in the running for the national team manager job. We are hearing the investigation by U.S. soccer into Greg Berhalter will wrap in a couple weeks, so maybe we'll have an answer right around then. But for Cindy Parlo-Cohn, who came in after Berhalter, after Stewart, and after McBride, right? She was the vice president, but didn't officially take over until about halfway through 2020. This is her chance to really rebuild the structure, the sporting structure of the federation as she sees fit. Um, seems that there's been more fallout from the World Cup problems, though, Sebi, and the fact that Claudio Reyna is no longer the sporting director at Austin FC, but he's sticking around there in a different role. Is that right? Yes, in an advisory capacity, Kay, which is classic in Major League Soccer. When they want to fire you, they want to get rid of you, but they don't want to do it so publicly, they give you a, an advisory role, a consultancy role. So Claudio Reyna is still going to be around Austin FC in a much less public, much less front-facing role. Uh, it's really a shame for those at Austin FC because with Claudio Reyna in charge, they have built something very, very special. One of the best atmospheres in MLS, one of the best teams in Major League Soccer last year. They've had success in the international market as well. So uh, a tough time there for Austin FC. They had really built this club through Claudio Reyna's great work, and he will no longer have that influential role with Austin FC, truly one of the up-and-coming clubs in all of Major League Soccer. His son's been having a very influential role back in mm. Bundesliga action, though, Sebi. I'm sure you guys have been keeping your eye on that, coming off the bench in the last two games and scoring. Yeah, is he due for a start or what? Uh, and, and two <laughs> huge goals, right, as we look at the Bundesliga race, the value right there. Everybody, of course, is talking about the celebrations. He did it after the first goal. He also did it after the second goal here. You see it right there against Mines, the Memphis... Depay celebration. We, of course, remember what Greg Berhalter said at the World Cup. The United States 
Doesn't have any Memphis Depays. They don't got dudes scoring in Champions League. Well, uh, somehow I think there's a connection there when we see Gio Reyna do this. <laughs> nice. No, got to gotta love it. Sebi, thanks so much for being with us. If you haven't done, make sure to go and check out the latest Football Americas. There's a lot more talk like this over there. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Well, that's going to do it for the latest edition of the show. But Don Hutchison is going to be back because these guys are going to be answering your questions on Extra Time. Stick no around. power rankings? No. No power rankings. Not this week? No. Giving up on that. You're too busy? He's on the fence with everything. See you in a minute. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Don Hutchison is joining us, even though he seems to have had a sleepless night. Oh. Mm. Ali Moreno. Hislop. Yeah. When's the yeah. power rankings coming back, Shaq? Next week. Oh. <laughs> why oh. did you... Why, why is he going on a hiatus or something? Uh, I just needed a little break. Uh, well, <laughs> um, breaking news, his commitment to the power rankings is uh, teetering. It is actually the ah. first question. Where are those power rankings? Next week, next week. But why? Why do we have to wait? Yeah. It's not like a Man City Arsenal game that you won't decide on. Yeah. It's in the stars, Key. Uh, well, I thought it was the, the algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> I thought it was the algorithm. Horoscope. No, 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 no. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on a second. You're saying the algorithm includes a horoscope? No, yeah, not that, not you that. Just, you said no, horoscope. No, I'm, I'm saying that I need to be calm. And this is... Are you worked up right now? Yeah, oh, that's right. I can right. see that. Shaq, Shaq, off, the, off, you Shaq off, the top of your, off the top of your head, Shaq, if you're picking number one right here, right now, who would be sitting at the top? Arsenal. Ooh. That's the algorithm. Is that their algorithm speaking? And, and who's going to win tomorrow's game? Draw. Good <laughs> ah. <laughs> question, Shaq. Did I hear you correctly in between takes in the show that... You didn't sleep well last night? Yeah, I didn't sleep well last what night. What happened, Sha? I don't know. Because That's very unlike you. You it are is. very much a guy who sleeps very well yeah. all the time. Now, sometimes everything's off. Everything's off today. Oh, what? That's because you didn't put the hard work on the power rankings, so you weren't tired enough. Because the stars aren't aligned. I'm telling you, something's wrong. See? When something doesn't continue, as, as Ali's saying, everything just goes all right. What's Ali saying? He's Feelings. saying that the power ranking should have been here and they're not, and this is why you're not sleeping. Yes. Oh, so I'm not sleeping because I didn't. Yeah, well, that's not right. You didn't put the effort into the power rankings, and therefore you were not tired enough to get a good night's sleep. He can't be bothered. For Don, I'm trying to give you an excuse, Jack. For Don, what would he like to see Newcastle finishing top? Uh, what would he like to see Newcastle finishing top four or Everton escape relegation? You can oh. only choose one. Oh, mm. oh I know which one he's going to go for. That's mm. vile. That's a vile <laughs> question. 
Yes, that's, you know what? That is... just, just to save the Blues, I'm going to have to say Everton to stave off relegation because Newcastle will have the chance next year. Didn't I hear Don last week say that Arsenal was going to have some issues with Everton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did yeah, I hear yeah, that yeah. correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did, you did, you did. yeah. Huh? Well, well yeah. even more so now, Ali. Even more so now that Everton oh. might have a new manager. So that's even okay. trickier for Arsenal going to Goodison. Oh. Hang on, there's a question coming. Oh, well, all right. Okay. But, but, That's but, still but, to come on extra before, time. Before we, before we get to that question, whoever Don says, put all your money on the other one. Yep. <laughs> we have learned. I don't know what the question is. I don't even know who's on the shortlist. But if Don says, go elsewhere. Yep. Quickly. That's all I have to say. Uh, given Don's love of Serie A, I have to ask him this next one okay. first. Napoli against Arsenal in a one-off game. Neutral venue, playing at their best. Who's your money on? Ooh, Napoli. Uh, all right. Napoli. Wow. Arsenal. Arsenal win it. Arsenal. <laughs> nah, yes. so you're just, you're, just, you're just putting your sort of obvious heads on. Laboka in the middle of the park is one of the best central midfield players out there in Europe. Carvet Skelly has been the find of the century because he's just outrageous. And Osimhen, you'd build a side round. He's a one-man wrecking machine. Kim at the back has been a great signer from Fenerbahce. I would have Napoli to go 2 nil up inside the first 20 minutes. Arsenal to show reaction, come back to 2-1, then 3-1 Napoli. 3-2 would finish 4-3 Napoli. Uh, Don, one quick question. You mentioned Osimhen, who you are very high on. Yeah, love it. But yet... When it comes to Manchester United and potentially having a striker, you would go for? Harry Kane. Oh, I see. Not Osimhen <laughs> then. <laughs> we got asked that question last week, Kay. It was Osimhen or Kane. And <laughs> on my love of Osimhen, I got sucked into the 50-50. And I just said Harry Kane just because there's no baggage. There's no... He doesn't have to acclimatise. It's... Should have been goals. smarter and just said you didn't want the wrath of the Napoli fans, so you didn't want to take him away from Napoli. Yeah, you... I was being honest. I'm, I'm not like Shaq, eh? I'm, I just, I, I'm, I'm honest. <laughs> I just call it how I see it. I don't <laughs> sit on Shaq's fence. It's aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that's unnecessarily <laughs> so. Passive aggressive. Feel a little bit attacked there. Yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> Love you, Shaq. You do right. Oh, I love you. I'm sure you're okay. going to sleep well tonight, Shaq. So, Shaka had this question. So does Shane Anderson. So, Don, who would the boys hire as the Everton manager if it was up to them? I would pick Dyche. I would pick Sean Dyche. Do you know that Marcelo Bielsa has never took a job halfway through a season in his entire career? And I just think the, I just think the chaos in Everton this season... I think you'd be adding more fuel to the fire. There'd be more chaos. It'd be amazing for like the neutral going and seeing Bielsa going in and playing murder ball at Everton with some unfit players. I think Seamus Coleman's sitting there going, please don't be Marcelo Bielsa. I think Calvert-Lewin's going, please don't be Bielsa. Maybe it's what they need, but I just think it's Sean Dyche. I think the, sim the simple appointment is Sean Dyche. He knows exactly what he's doing. It might not be pretty, but I think it's Sean Dyche. And also, you feel with Bielsa that he's going to go and look right into that club if it's got everything that he wants to manage. And I don't think there are many that want to take this job on at the moment. No, so it may just be by default that it is Sean Dyche. It may not even be a choice of Bielsa and Sean Dyche. Mm. I do agree with Don in that part of what makes Bielsa a genius, if, if you so want to call him that, is that he plays this sort of style where there is very little structure and everybody goes in all sorts of different directions and everybody's running around like crazy. Just, that's the last thing that Everton needs right now. They need structure. They need consistency. They don't need to guess where they need to be. They need to have certainty as to where they're supposed to be on the field. How do we close down spaces, win games one nothing, and get enough points to survive? That's it. Mm. And there you go. Does that answer the question that you had earlier, Shaka? Yeah. No. Well, yeah, it does. Okay. I'm agreeing with Don. So that's a problem. He's not, he, and, and that, he's not feeling it tonight, That's why is I'm he? questioning myself. Because I'm he's not feeling it tonight, is he? Keeping the peace. Mm. All right? No, you're, you're, no, not, you're not feeling the show tonight, tonight Shaka. <laughs> no, I'm going to be tossing to it and thinking, oh. No, I don't think I so, Shaka. I agree with Don. Shaka. Shaka. First of all, I don't believe you that you did not sleep well. I didn't sleep well. What's not sleeping well? So you slept eight hours. That's it.
Seven hours and 45 minutes. Wow. Well, there you go. See? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not enough, Shaq. I studied up. Shaq, are you a side sleeper, a front sleeper, a back sleeper? Oh, he's a, he's a sleeper, period. <laughs> front sleeper, generally, right. okay? Since you ask. There's a good choice. For Shaka, Ale loves Pedri and Don loves Ossiman. Is there a singular player that you are over the moon for that's playing right now? Nah. Nah, I got it. Um, It's too much thinking, isn't it? Yeah, that's a lot. That's, yeah, that's, I, it was, that's the thing is, it just said someone in my ear who every time we bring him up, you've always been defending him and you're always happy when he's doing so well, and that's Bukayo Saka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like, I like Bukayo Saka. I like Marcus Rashford. Um, especially because of what they endured post-Euros and, and, and how, they've re how they responded. And, and Bakayo Saka in particular, I think, um, has, been, has been a poster boy for so much. For Don, do you think Jesse Marsh will get himself in hot water signing another American and turning Leeds into Team America? <laughs> He's after Western McKenney, isn't he? Um... I don't know. I, 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 I can see them slipping, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's... I'm not sure what's happening there at Leeds because initially when he went in after Bielsa, I think he actually done quite a good job. But they've slipped into their bad old ways again. Uh, they're a team that you want to watch because you're not sure if they're going to win a game 4-3 or lose a game 4-3. Defensively, he's not fixed too many things. I like him. And I like Western McKenney. I'm just not sure it's going to solve their problems and they might slip closer to the bottom three. The last question. Mm. This is one that everyone can answer. It's Mourinho's 60th birthday. Mm. So in honour of his birthday, what is everyone's favourite moment of his that you've seen? Ooh. I'll let you have a little think. Is there anything that stands out to you, Don? Jose Mourinho? L yeah, there's loads. I've seen uh, someone put something up on social media today that was all of Jose's best clips, and it was uh, the one where he called himself the special one, obviously. But I think I like the one where him and Arsene Wenger were at it, and they were really at it for a period of time, and he just went, he's a specialist in failure. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that stands out to you, Shaka? I, uh, I interviewed Joseph yes, Mourinho three years back. Whoa. Yes, he did. Yes, and he did. I think it was both mine and Jose Mourinho's well. highlights mm -hmm. of our um, respective careers. Well, I interviewed Jose Mourinho, so that would be saying that it wasn't a highlight of his career when I interviewed him, Shaka. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying, Kate. You're not sitting on the he, fence there, are right? you? He said to me, he said to me, this is so much, <laughs> so much better than when Kate interviewed me, <laughs> is what, he, what yeah. was his first answer. Yeah. What he's not telling you is that Shaka's voice got higher for some reason. He got really close to Jose Mourinho. All of a sudden, he... Am I lying when I'm saying that you started rubbing your belly, Shaka? Were you or were you not going like this when Jose remember. Mourinho was talking to you? I, I don't remember. Oh, I my remember goodness. We have that video. We have that video somewhere. We got to get that video. You were rubbing your belly for no apparent reason. I don't know what you're Are you busy mates, Shaka? Huh? Are you busy mates? No, no, we're not. We're not busy mates. I, I, I was a little, um, yeah, I was a little enchanted. See? You see, you see how the I was voice, a little enchanted. the voice gets higher. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's <laughs> and, there, and there goes the belly. That's <laughs> <a> nice. <laughs> oh, Ale definitely spiced things up when he came to La Liga, especially that feud, well, that rivalry, shall we say, with Pep Guardiola was brilliant, wasn't it? Well, but at I, first, anyway. I think the the background there is that Jose Mourinho used to be. A coach with Barcelona, and and and, and an assistant coach under Bobby Robson. And so, it's uh, he was supposed to be Barcelona born and bred sort of thing. And then you start thinking about when Inter eliminates Barcelona from Champions League, and he's running around the camp now. That created and laid the foundation for whenever he became the Real Madrid manager. That there was always going to be tension everywhere. The biggest problem for Jose Mourinho while he was with Real Madrid is that Barcelona were playing at an incredible level and they were knocking the ball around and they were changing the, the way that the game was played not only in La Liga but around the world. Nobody was saying, hey, you guys want to play like Mourinho's team? No, you want to play like Barcelona, you want to play like Pep Guardiola and that I think created even more tension. It was 
it was Barcelona and their style against Mourinho trying to break through with his own style and his style was not only physicality on the field or defending on the field but also trying to win in the press conference and we started seeing rhetorics in press conferences in La Liga that we, we hadn't quite seen before. Pep had to win on the field, Mourinho was trying to win in the press conference. It did change the mentality of the Real Madrid yeah. players though in that because they'd started to fear Barcelona and I know that a lot of people have got things against Mourinho but I feel that that's one thing that he did switch in that Real Madrid squad. I know this because I was there at the time. And there it is. <laughs> and Let me tell there you. it is. It was, uh, it, what a time to be there it was when Jose Mourinho came in. I was going to leave Real Madrid TV before that, uh -huh. but then I heard it was going to be Jose Mourinho, and I thought, you know what, I'll stick around a little longer. Mm. And it was worth it. Mm. Anyway, happy birthday, Jose, 60 years old today. The special one. Hope you've had a great day. Thanks so much for sending your questions in. We'll do it all again tomorrow. You know he's not watching, right, Kay? <laughs> he might be. You never know. Oh, those are my best friends, Kay and Shaka. <laughs> no, Shaka, Shaka. Hello, Jordan. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.